Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics the nba playoffs heat up and have some excitement as we wait to see who advances to the conference finals in each side of the brackets major league baseball continues to be very quick and exciting the nfl released its schedule and people waited on bated breath to see who their teams were playing and to play a little mike francesa Win, win, loss, split them with their team schedules because nothing circles the wagons quite like the National Football League. But we start with the NBA and something we haven't really chatted about. We've been out for a couple weeks. What have we missed? Well, we got game sixes and we got game sevens. We're recording this and we usually hope that games have been decided so we can give you our final thoughts our recaps, what went wrong, what went right. And unfortunately, we're in a situation where we're not sure who's going to win these series, despite several of them being 3-2. One just ended before we started recording this, forcing a Game 7 as the Boston Celtics took down the Philadelphia 76ers in Philadelphia, 95-86, a score that you might expect that matchup to have been in the 1980s. Very disappointing for Philly. Shameful for Philly. Back to Boston, the series goes. I'd have to probably lean that the Celtics are going to win game seven in advance, but who knows at this point what's going to happen. Where we currently stand, the Heat hold a game over the Knicks. The Nuggets hold a game over the Suns. The Lakers hold a game over the Golden State Warriors. They play at home. By the time you're hearing this show, who knows where we, with who's won, who's advanced, and if we're going to game sevens. But where we stand now, Al, it's been exciting in a sense for some of these matchups, at least by name. I wouldn't call necessarily all of them rivalries, but obviously there's history for these teams, and we're enjoying watching some of the best players in the NBA get to play against each other, albeit in the conference semifinals, some people were clamoring for this to have happened in the conference finals, but obviously you can't pick the schedule. You just got to pick who you're playing at the time. We're obviously interested in what the Los Angeles Lakers are going to be doing against the Golden State Warriors. It's been an exciting series so far in a sense. A couple blowouts, which you would expect. Steph Curry continues to be one of the best players in league history, and LeBron and AD trying to figure out their two tandem to advance L.A to the conference semis in the hopes of winning a non-asterisk championship, as people would like to say. How are you feeling so far about what we've seen 
in this NBA postseason as far as how excitement has gone. I mean, we, we had the Milwaukee Bucks lose to the Heat for them to get to play the Knicks. So we've already had people rip up their entire brackets for what's going on in some of these series. But where are you looking at in excitement for what we've seen so far and what we will see? Unfortunately, we can't put anything in stone as of this moment, but such is life when it comes to recording these shows. We can only talk about what's going on now, which isn't half bad. These are... I don't want to say must-watch games, but really they're games that you should be flipping on to see the excitement. It it can't be that disappointing if you're Adam Silver kind of looking around at what's been going on so far. Well, John, it's great to be back with you and all our uh, all our fans and friends. Great that you're back in good health and, and feeling better. Uh, I am... It has been up and down, to say the least. We have seen some great basketball. We've seen some wonderful games. We've also seen our share of blowouts. The Laker-Golden State Series is a perfect example of it. Tomorrow night will be game six. Can the Lakers put it away? A lot of it will depend upon the health of Anthony Davis, who took uh, a terrible elbow to, it looked like the temple, which left him woozy and had to leave the game with about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I don't think they were coming back. He played well again, but they were down nine, I believe, at the time. And I thought Golden State you know, played really, really well. Golden State pushed from the beginning. Draymond Green came out desperate to basically take over the game. And he was up and down the court nonstop. He told his coach, I'm getting a technical foul. If they want to give me a technical foul, give me a technical foul. They're not going to shut me up. And, of course, uh, Zach Zarba, one of the best referees, backed off and didn't give him a technical foul, let him continue to mouth off, uh, get right in his face after you know, he'd commit fouls that were obvious fouls. He never shuts up. But they got a terrific game from him. They got a great game from Wiggins. They got a solid game from Steph. Uh, and the Lakers, you know, other than AD in the first half and some from threes from LeBron, which he was a little too reliant on, they just you know, they didn't do the things that they need to do to win. Uh, too many turnovers, which results in transition for the Warriors, and you can't play transition with the Warriors. It's as simple as that. That's the weakest aspect of the Lakers and their tremendous defense. It's not tremendous at all in the transition. One of the reasons is you know, Anthony Davis can't go from playing all over the floor to getting back in time to transition to be a factor when you turn it over or take an ill-advised three um, or rush a shot when you don't have floor balance. And as a result, uh, the Warriors take off. They got everybody running the floor. They didn't kill it from three, but they got a lot of stuff in transition, some threes, uh, some open looks, some layups. They ran the court well. They got free throws, which they usually don't do. And the Lakers didn't shoot the ball low enough. They didn't get enough from the supporting cast. Reeves was okay, uh, but they didn't. Schrader was pretty good off the bench, but they really didn't get that much from anybody else. And you know, again, it it, it was you know, LeBron falls in love with the three. For the Lakers to beat this team, they have to do it in the painted area, as the great Hubie Brown is so often alluded to. They must play bully ball. That's how they dominate this team. Don't turn it over. Hammer the ball inside. Control the boards. Get to the free throw line. 
like they did in their wins. Uh, two of them close, one of them a blowout. And defend, make Golden State beat you from two, and keep Steph as uh, a constant worker. You must make him work, whether he's handling the ball, defending. You have to be physical with him. You have to try and tire him out, which is almost impossible. I thought they did tire him out in game four when uh, Lonnie Walker had the quarter of his life. And again, you have to prevent those three and four three-point runs from Clay Thompson. He had one in game two. He really hasn't had one since. And you have to make sure he doesn't have any of those tomorrow night. Lakers are back home. I don't want to jinx them since they're a club, but they have not lost at home yet. After being a mediocre team at home throughout the regular season, they have not lost in the postseason. I know it's a short sample, uh, you know, going towards the end of a second series, but they have held serve on home court throughout. Hopefully they'll be able to do that again tomorrow night. And of course, you know, as Anthony Davis goes, so go the Lakers. They're not going to win if he goes out and scores 10 uh, points and it gets eight rebounds. They're going to need him to be the best player in the world on the defensive end, which is what he is, when he's active and engaged and impactful. And they need they don't need him to be a force on the offensive end, but if he's a force on the defensive end and has a decent offensive game, they almost always win those games. If he goes for a, you know, 32 and 20, there's no way they're going to lose. And we still haven't seen a big game out of LeBron James yet. And I don't mean 50 or busting loose for 45, because right now I don't think he can. He's not 100%. You can tell he doesn't have the kind of lift that we're used to seeing. He doesn't have quite the acceleration, um, you know, from the foot injury. But you need a game where, again, LeBron gets inside he uses his size. He uses his strength. And then from there, you can run your offense off of the inside game. Kick out for open threes. Not that the Lakers take a lot of them, but you know, Reeves has got to be better. D'Angelo Russell has to give them more uh, in terms of consistency. And you know, look for more from Achimura tomorrow night. And I, I think they're going to win the game. They've been very good at home. They've been strong at home. They've been solid at home. And their coach has consistently impressed upon them the importance of defending, rebounding, and tempo. And that they must do a better job of taking care of the basketball. They can't get into a transition game with Golden State because that's exactly what they want. And you have to defend. You have to defend and defend and defend. And you have to make Golden State take twos. They don't want to take twos. I mean, they're not as bad as Boston because Boston is the worst. All Boston wants to do is take threes. That's all the best players want to do is take threes. They'll back away from an 18-footer step back that did it tonight all night long. Uh, but the point is, the Lakers know what the formula is. And, you know, it's Anthony Davis controlling on the defensive end and blocking shots. They must rebound. You know, the other night they got beat on the offensive board again. Anthony Davis can't get every rebound. LeBron has to do a better job of being engaged on the defensive end and giving Davis some help on the defensive glass because you know, LeBron's one of the biggest guys out there because 
the Warriors regularly play small. There's no reason Jerry Mount Green or Wiggins or Looney or anybody else out there should be out rebounding LeBron when he's got AD on his side. He must do a better job on the defensive glass. And I think they will tomorrow night. Um, but it, it remains to be seen. We know the Warriors are the champs. They're going to be hard to kill. Simple as that. You know, I, I'm not calling the series over until you know the eulogy is done and we're leaving the gravesite because they are you know four-time champs and they will not go quietly as we saw last night. And they have stuff. And even though they've done a really good job, I think, in keeping him under relative control, he still is there to make big shots, make big passes, uh, set up his teammates. But you've got to keep him you know, in areas on the floor where he can do the least amount of damage. And to me, that's still with the ball in his hands. I want to make him a playmaker and make other guys score because I think sooner or later, you know, I will be able to defend enough against the other guys. Uh, the key is making sure that you continue to rebound off the missed shots by the other guys. Cause if they get two and three chances, that's when you get in trouble, get the second chance point, the third chance point. That's where you're out of sync defensively. The ball whips around open three on the extra pass. Boom, stick a fork in you. You're done. So to me, it's, you know, I know it sounds like an old man's formula, but I am the old report. It is defend, rebound, take care of the basketball because the Lakers are really an old school team. They are not a team that's built on threes, even though they have more youth now and more athleticism. They are still built on size, strength, scoring inside the three-point line in the paint and getting to the free throw line, and that's what they have to do tomorrow night. They've shown the blueprint so far, and that's not just them that does that. When teams are winning in these series, they show you why they won for the most part. Sands for maybe game four, the Lonnie Walker game for the Lakers, where Anthony Davis scored four total points in the second half and became a ghost. And they kind of fueled that. It's not like they weren't, they didn't give him the ball. <laughs> it didn't really help that he wasn't getting it. Lonnie Walker takes over in the fourth quarter. They win the game. Steal one in a sense. Even last night, uh, you know, in the second half before he got hurt, again, after a dominant first half, he rarely got the ball. Yeah. And sometimes I don't get me wrong, I think Darvin Ham has done a terrific job. Uh, but sometimes I, I really think he has to be coached and told to be more selfish. Uh, you know, a couple of times he turned it over last night when he put it on the floor and tried to get closer to the basket. Uh, when he's got any one of those guys on him and he's at the foul line for a 14, 15 footer, it, it just tank it. You know, you got three, four inches over him. It, it's a free throw with a six foot seven inch guy on. And I'll take my chances. You shoot 85% with nobody on you. I'll take my chances. You can do 60% with those guys on you. Because it's a 14, 15 footer. Nobody's there's going to block it. Take it. Take it. And everybody else go to the, you know, the uh, other guys go to the glass. And they also have to do a better job, you know, of cutting off of him when the double teams come for, uh, you know, layups, drives, and getting to the foul line. And uh, I, I just think sometimes they lose sight of how effective he is offensively. 
and, and fall in love with other guys when they've got the biggest mismatch on the court on their side. I think the fear is if you're a Lakers fan, you have watched Steph obviously have incredible games so far all series long. Some better than others. But his three-point shooting of late hasn't been great. Game four and game five. Pretty bad for his standards. He was the first to say in game five after the game, he's still shooting like crap from three. Clay's been awful too the last couple of games shooting the basketball. Game four, you were almost begging him to shoot. He hit one in the corner, thought he was going to get going, and just was pulling up from the parking lot for another two of them that just clanged off the boards. What are you doing, man? But that's who he is. As Draymond said on his prestigious podcast, Clay says, they pay me to shoot, man. That's what I'm going to do. And you you live with that, you know, for the most part. The other thing, the Lakers, you know, in terms of individual personnel, Vanderbilt has to be more impactful on the defensive end. He has to be more active. He has to do a better job uh, on the glass and helping out rebound-wise. He really has not done much uh, in terms of impact minimal minutes because he's not a threat offensively. He keeps taking that corner three, which you know, I'm okay with him taking once in a while, but you know he just takes too many of them. And he, he rarely, if ever, makes it. But he's got to do a better job on the defensive side, whether he is down low getting rebounds or whether he's out top uh, guarding Steph sometimes or Clay or Draymond, he has to be more active defensively. And, uh, you know, again, remember, they won a championship last year because Wiggins was probably their second best player. And that's the way he played last night. If Wiggins is going to continue to play like that, Golden State is going to be tough to beat tomorrow night. They're going to be tough to beat, period. Because Wiggins is a terrific player. Remember, they didn't have him for two months because he was out for personal reasons. And he is clearly, you know, back to form and playing really well. Uh, But they have to, you know, they have to defend. They have to get in his face, make him make tough shots, and not let him be a factor on the offensive glass. And they have to do the same thing with Looney. When he's not going to be a factor, you know, shooting the ball, but you can't, if he's getting, you know, eight, 10 offensive boards, you're in trouble. You got to keep him off the glass. And that's not just AD's job. That's LeBron's job. And that's Vanderbilt's job. And that's Uchimura's job. They've got to do a much better job as a team on the defensive glass and not rely upon Anthony Davis to get every defensive rebound. Just watching Looney seemingly get every board possible in a game is so frustrating, especially when the first round had it happen every game, basically. And you thought, well, once they play the Lakers, they've got a couple of big guys in there. It'll be fine. No, he's like a machine. It just, it's like a magnet just finds his hands every time, including Anthony Davis's head, which people love to talk about after the game, Chuck and Shaq chuckling over it when they mentioned Chris Haynes trying to report on the situation from just what he was seeing, which I thought was, I don't want to say vital, but I thought was incredibly important for the situation because we didn't know. They didn't really have cameras following him around what was going on. And he said he was a little wobbly, understandably so, after getting wailed in the head. Where they are on the floor, the away team at Golden State's arena, you can't 
really get to the locker room easily without having to walk in front of everybody and get there. They're on the opposite side of where it is. So they put him in the back room somewhere to do a couple tests, probably look for a concussion. And once that all came back clean enough, well, now you got to get back to the locker. He's still a little woozy, and it's quite the walk to get back there. And they said, well, we'll just put him in a wheelchair and get him there as fast as possible, and we'll be fine. Then they show after the game him walking on the bus. He's dressed. He looks okay. No problem. It was just the initial wooziness of why have him take these slow steps to get, let's just get him in the locker room. We'll put him in a wheelchair real fast, roll him in there. You would have thought that he had a hangnail and used a wheelchair to get to where the nail clippers were based on some of the commentary after the game and the day afterward. Stephen A. Smith screaming on first take as he does to get paid 12 plus million dollars. I can't believe this at all. Concussion? From what? Bro, I don't know what happened at the Fashion Institute when you were having your practices and whatnot. I guess you didn't get hit in the head by a 6'10 big man trying to get a rebound in the heat of the game where everybody's battling on the boards. You get hit in the right spot, man. It's going to hurt. At least initially. It's going to hurt. It's going to... And check with the heavyweight boxer, okay, who, who takes one in the temple, all right, and doesn't get up for, for a 10 count. They're not always concussed, but they get knocked out. So here's what we'll do. We'll take Looney, who is, you know, at 6'10 and 260, and let's let him climb the ladder, and we'll put Stephen A. down below him, and let him come down with his elbow full flush into Stephen A.'s temple. And when Stephen A. wakes up a couple months later this summer, Let's have a chat on how he's feeling. Once again, the great windbag, the prince of pontification, proves he is nothing more than a loudmouth horse's ass. What he did was and said was shameful. He is a buffoon, plain and simple. If it walks like a fuck and it talks like a fuck or a duck, excuse me, chances are it's a duck. And that's all he is. He gets paid to simply be a blowhard. And that's what he is. He just, you know, it comes off much more rambunctious and much more attractive when you do it in a loud fashion versus saying it in, in, you know, a, a quiet, controlled fashion. You must rant and rave bullshit. You must throw shit up against the wall hard and loud and see if it sticks versus doing it quietly. And I don't want to say respectfully, because you really can't do what he did respectfully, but he showed once again, that it's all about his big mouth, his ratings, and I'll basically do anything to get people to listen and watch. And I'll apologize later. He has absolutely zero, zero understanding of what's going on in the court because you know he had his cup of coffee with Clarence big house gains. What do you have with 1.1 points again, or 1.1 minutes again, which was it or both. The bottom line is, you know, he doesn't know nearly as much as he says he to everybody that he does know. And as I said before, we'll always go back to that, that infamous moment from 
the sports reporters when they saw fit to the beginning of his career on ESPN put Stephen A on a Sunday morning and talk about football with the sports reporters and his classic know-it-all analysis of they should have kicked the field goal on third down because if they miss it, they could kick it again. <laughs> Twelve and a half million dollars. What a fucking moron. And you can print it. That is Stephen A. Smith. What a doof. If doofus. Doofus? Either way. He's just a buffoon, and he proves it pretty much on a daily basis whenever he opens his fat trap. And he did it again yesterday. But the problem is, you know, he did it in a fashion where he didn't take into account that a guy could have really been hurt. And that doesn't matter to him. Just after the fact, it's the usual Stephen A. Oh, you know, I, I got I to speak in the moment, bro. So that's what I get paid for. So. I'm going to walk it back. How about you don't fucking walk at all? Let's give that a try. <laughs> Douchebag. And we're not unprivy to the jokes about Anthony Davis being hurt. We get it. Some of it's funny. Sure. It's never there. Street clothes. The track record for his injuries speaks for itself sometimes. Absolutely it does. That moment isn't something to be joking about, though. I don't understand and you wanna, and you, where you people are coming something. from from that. It's it's also getting a little tired. He he was out this year with legitimate injuries. You know, he had a legitimate foot injury, and he was pretty much terrific before he went out, and absolutely when he came back. And he's been one of the best players in the ball. He's been the Lakers' best player in the postseason. It's not even close. Not even close. He's a dominant player in the first series. He's been the best player on the floor in this series. Uh, he had one bad game. And, you know, I mean, Jason Tatum had a terrible game tonight. And then he knocks down four threes in the last two minutes, and Philadelphia gives the game away. So, uh, you know, AD is under constant criticism no matter what he does. He's got to play great to not get criticized. And nobody plays great for seven games, you know, which is another one that the copycats are out there. You know, as I've been saying for ages, you know, you don't have to play great for seven games. You have to play great for four games. Now, all of a sudden, here comes Greeny with, you know, Anthony Davis doesn't have to play great for seven games. He's going to play, got to, got to play great for four games. And there's, you know, old folks himself, uh, you know, Mr. Basketball, Michael Wilbon saying, you know, not every, you know, not everybody's Michael Jordan. Not everybody can play great for seven games, you know, but if you play great for two or three games, gee, thanks, Mike. You know, like I said to Mike Meltzer, you know, I'm, I'm two steps ahead of these, these these supposed geniuses. You know, I mean, have you been listening to my calls on Sports Talk Radio? Is that what you're doing? I'm just taking my takes? Just thanks so much, fellas, for, you know, dropping that knowledge on me. I, I just, I was I was questioning whether he had a concussion just based on the play I saw and the other hits I've seen him take. So you're watching a slow motion replay of what happened to Anthony Davis and sitting on your couch at home think, that's not a concussion. How the fuck do you know what a concussion is, man? Obviously, he's not faking. You think he wants to come out of the game? 
<laughs> he can't lift his head up. He's got to have a towel. He's clearly in, in distress when he goes over to the bench. Oh, well, it didn't look too bad on replay. He must be, it must not have been a concussion. What are you talking about? What do you want, Ryan Clark to come out of the stands and clothesline the dude? Does that make you feel better? Okay, well, that must be a concussion. How about when Draymond slammed the back of his head off the court when LeBron accidentally went into him going for the ball? What about that? Nobody said anything about concussions there. Oh, he's fine. Get up. The double standard for this dude is incredible. Yeah. Injury-wise, Kawhi Leonard sits out half the season, and then his knees don't work in the postseason. We don't hear a peep. Paul George is sitting on the bench. We don't hear a peep. Oh, well, they had disastrous injuries in their career. That gets ignored. What, what, why is there such a double standard as, with this guy? As I'm watching Chris Paul with his head on backwards, okay, with, uh, by the way, Denver up 16 in the Valley of the Sun, uh, looking to eliminate the looking to, uh, to eliminate Phoenix. And n- number one overall pick, Sandra uh, Eaton on the bench you know, in elimination games. You think, uh, and remember, AD tried to play two years ago with a groin injury, which he had no business being out there. And he tried to go and he hurt it even worse, you know, when they were up two one against Phoenix. And then once he went down and he shouldn't even try to play and he did. And then once he went down, the series was over. He is uh, as valuable a player as there is in the sport. He's as talented a player probably as there is in the sport. And uh, look, I understand he is fragile. And at times, he is not seemingly fully engaged as you would want him to be. And I, I don't know what the reason is for that. I, I can't explain it. But you know, I, I don't think in any way, shape, or form I've ever seen him you know, be soft in terms of you know, not wanting to play with an injury or through an injury. Team doctors now control everything. The franchises control everything. And they were not going to let him play uh, down the stretch in a back-to-back. And he didn't until the very last one. And, of course, they won it. And they wound up 43-39. and 39, But they were making sure that that foot injury was not going to be exacerbated so he wouldn't be uh, compromised for the postseason. And he's played every game in the postseason. Yeah, he's had the, a couple up-downs. Um, but he's been terrific overall, and he is a fabulous player, and he is the most impactful player on the Lakers. And if he is that tomorrow night, they will knock off the defending champs in six. If he is not, in all probability, we're going back to Golden State, excuse me, San Francisco for game seven. As we are in the East with Boston and Philadelphia, I'll let you take the lead on that. I just, to close on that, I just can't understand as a fan or even just watching these games in any sport, how you can get angry at a player for getting hurt when it's not them like punching the wall or slipping in in the, while they were changing the lining of their pool, but really having the injury happen to themselves by something that they did stupid like punching something or kicking something, inflicting the own injury. I can understand you getting pissed off at that. What are you doing? 
these guys aren't going out there trying to get hurt, man. It's part of sports. And unfortunately, some guys get the injury bug a lot more than others. But you're going to hate on this dude because he gets hurt every once in a while and ignore what he does when he's not hurt. Ignore what he did in the bubble, which speaking of several familiar names still alive in the NBA postseason that also were successful in the NBA bubble could maybe go to show that the talent was still pretty high when they were playing those games in front of computer monitors. Also, I'm very happy as a Lakers fan, you might feel the same, that we're getting off the TNT broadcast and going to ESPN, despite not really enjoying how ESPN puts a game together. I've had enough Brian Anderson and Stan Van Gundy. I'm good. I've had enough for Chuck. I'm good. (laughs) It'll be a nice respite to get out of there for a little while. Had enough. Although it would have been nice to see the post-game reaction tomorrow after they polished them off with AD having a big game to shut Chuck up. But, you know, if, if if it shuts Stephen A up, then probably even better. The backtracking would be not, very not, nice not, to hear. Not, not that anything other than a muzzle could shut Stephen A up. But, you know, if his Knicks go down tomorrow night and that series ends, I mean, I mean that will help. Well, he was loud uh, tonight, Thursday night, about the Philadelphia 76ers coming back and then blowing their opportunity to advance to the conference finals against the Celtics, scoring just 86 points. I just am lost. 13 points in the fourth quarter. And I'm looking at the box. I wasn't watching the game, but I'm looking at the box score. I'm refreshing Twitter. I'm in the game cast. Did half the team get injured? What, What happened here? Was, was pe- were people taken off the field or off the court in stretchers? There must be an answer for what happened for them to play so poorly. Okay, Embiid has 26. That's all right. Maxi 26. Okay. And then just single digits up and down the board. James Harden has one good game in the postseason and then jokingly said to his teammates, it's just one game. It's just one game when he kicked out the series and looked vintage. I didn't realize he was saying it's just one game as in I'm only going to play one game well this entire series. Wasn't sure that was where he was going, but that appears to be the case. 86 points at home when you've got an opportunity to win the series and go to the conference finals again for the first time, I think, since Allen Iverson was playing basketball. I mean, that's, that's just shameful. That's a shameful loss. And now you think you're going to go to Boston and take game seven after the Celtics star player, Jason Tatum, who you mentioned hit some incredibly clutch three pointers in the fourth quarter. When it mattered, you'd swear based on the conversations happening on Twitter, when he was over Tuesday and couldn't hit the broad side of a barn that the Celtics were losing by 50. They were up seven at the half. Who cares if he's not scoring? What difference does it make? People are picking him up. And when it mattered, he shined 95-86. Now you think you're going to go into Boston and you, you have to hope the entire team goes cold because when that does happen, it is ugly watching Celtics basketball. So there's obviously well, no it's chance, just, It's just the three fest. Not the place you want not, to be. It's, it, it's nothing but threes. And that's really, you know, again, it, when they fell apart tonight, it was the usual uh, 
the usual formula. It was, you know, 57 year old Al, Har- Al Horford taking nothing but threes and, you know, firing blanks. It was their best player, Tatum, uh, again, who took more threes than anything else. Um, being over uh, a good chunk of the game, he only made one two point basket. I believe he had four threes all down the stretch to his credit. Uh, he made the huge shots, but stunk uh, and couldn't put the ball in the ocean before that. But they got you know, a great start from Brogdon and Smart. And Philly comes back in the third quarter and you know, behind Embiid. Harden has a stinker, four for 16, over from three. And they've got opportunities to take a two-possession lead a couple different times. And I just don't understand what Doc is doing. I mean, he's got Melton taking three after three, you know, four threes, over four from three. He's got, you know, Harden dribbling into traffic and falling down. Meanwhile, they can't stop Embiid. Horford could not stop him. I mean, Embiid missed a couple shots down the stretch, but those are the only couple that couple that he missed. Well, I got guys putting up threes and turning the ball over. It was just ridiculous. I want the ball going to Embiid every time down the floor. Every time he should get the ball either in the paint or at the elbow. And if they want to come double team. Then you work off the double team. Instead, you know, I got these guys chucking up three after three after three from the corner. I'm like, what are you doing? The MVP is the big guy, all right? See the see the biggest guy on the court over here wearing your uniform. That's, he just won the MVP. How about you get him the ball? How about you get him the ball and work off of him? Meanwhile, James Harden's 40 feet away from the basket with the shot clock at four. What are you getting off of that? dribbling into the paint, falling down and looking at the referees. I I mean, look, I know he had two terrific games in this series. But again, I've said it since 2010, when he spit the bit against the Syracuse zone, when in doubt, you know he's going to gag. Once a gagger, always a gagger. Every big game, when it's on the line, when he's got that knife in his hand, he drops it. You know, when he's got when he's got a chance to put a team away, he finds a way to absolutely have his worst game at the worst possible time. And he stunk the joint up tonight. And down the stretch, he was brutal, brutal. Maxi played well, and that was it. You know. What Melton was doing in the game, chucking up three after three, was beyond me. Just beyond me. And these guys had an opportunity to pull the stunning upset. Boston is on the ropes. They're taking step back three after step back three after step back three. They can't make a shot. Tatum is lost. And they were there to be had. And yet Doc's got no concept of what to do. This one's pretty simple. They were not denying him the ball. He could have gotten him the ball anytime they wanted. Anytime they wanted. Then the doubles would come and then Tatum would go away. Happened a couple different times. 
make them bring the double. It, it just, it was confounding. I'm going to go down with my best guy, who also happens to be a nightmare, a, a matchup nightmare, because he's the biggest guy and the most skilled guy. You know, and, and I got, and yet I got guys who are not exactly skilled three point shooters. You know, sonar, sonar, sonar Joey has to look him up, folks. You know, he's an outfield downtown Freddie Brown. You know, they're not out there. Melton, Doc, hello, Earth to Doc. You know, all the talk about you out coaching the kid. What were you doing? You had a clear path foul. They took the free throws away. Because they had the, that, which was completely ass nine. They have first. They say anybody on the floor can shoot them. Then after they're scored, and there's a turnover down the other end of the court on a timeout with a Philly as a result of a Philly challenge. I'm not a bounce play off a block that gave Philly the ball back, but they totally missed the call off of Williams. While they're discussing it, they realize you know we let anybody on the floor take those free throws, which is Embiid. And they really should have been taken by Maxi because it was really a clear path foul, which is what you said to begin with. But since it was also uh, a take foul, a tra- you know, a transition take foul, the guy who was on the floor with the ball and got fouled, he's got a shoot. I'm, I'm confused. Maxi went to the line and made him anyway, so it was moot. But then you had a chance to go up two possessions, and then you know. And you had a chance to continue a couple different times, go up two possessions, and it's got somebody else taking the shots. I don't need a three there. I don't need to go up five. All right, just get the ball in Embiid's hands. Give me a chance to go up four or get to the free throw line. You know, Doc's got to be kicking himself. And now you got to go back to Boston. Now, we expect Boston to win by 20. But off of what happened last game in Boston, who knows when they put up a stinker. But I got to believe after what happened tonight, the Tatum will be primed for a huge game now. The way he finished this, you know, he's, you had your chance. You had him wearing the goat horns. You know, and you had it all set up for Greeny, Greeny to reiterate what he said Two days ago, when he opened the show with, is this the beginning of the big Boston breakup? And I had texted Frank Iasola after the, after the loss in game five. I texted Frank, is this, is this the story if they lose the series? If they lose the series, will that be the story? You know, will, will the Celtics be broken up? And he texted me back. He goes, you're nuts. And I said, I, I don't mean that's what I'm saying. I would never break up. Brown and Tatum, I love them. I go, but is that going to be the quote-unquote, here's that, here's that hideous word, narrative? Will the Celtics be broken up? And lo and behold, how does Greeny start the show yesterday morning after the Celtic game five loss? Will this be the beginning of the big Boston breakup? Oh, it's just, it's, it's nonsensical. It really is. <laughs> the real question is, uh, if the Sixers lose, is Doc Rivers gone after the blast committed tonight? Just out of the league. And is that farewell to James to the free agent? All right. 
because there's no way they're breaking up. Trust the process. There's no, there's no way they're breaking up Brown and Tatum. No way. Last two, nine games to make the conference finals. Here's Doc Rivers' record. 2015, game five through seven, losses. 2017, game seven, loss. 2020, games five through seven, losses. Loss, loss, loss. 2021, game seven, loss. Loss. Game six. To, to, correct me if I'm wrong. To the Hawks at home. Mm-hmm. Game six, Philadelphia 76ers against the Celtics. Loss. Just miserable, man. Miserable. And this is right up there with one of the worst. It's getting hard to put a top five list together. Jeez. So when we next next meet, and and obviously we can't. You're out of room, Doc. You're out of room, man. There's no room. My scorebook doesn't have any room. <laughs> we are looking at the same kind of not as embarrassing as, if possible, not as embarrassing as last year against Dallas when, what did, did Luca actually outscore them in the first half? <laughs> if memory serves me correct. Am I right on that? I think so. All right. In what had to be. And it's still in my mind, in the old report's lifetime, the most stunning result in the history of the NBA playoffs, not just for what was the best team in the league for pretty much most of the entire year, lose, but lose a series lead and lose game seven at home by did they lose by 40 they were certainly down by 40 i know you're looking it up now right well just as an update uh what's old is new again with 40 seconds to go in the first half in game six on the road denver is up 79 to 49 they're up 30 on the road looking to close this series out. Um, There are always the possibility of great comebacks in the NBA, but there is a long, long, long road ahead in this second half for Phoenix to keep their series, their season alive. Yeah. Last year's final ended up 123 to 90. Oh, so they cut it to 33 at the end. They had 10 (laughs) points in the, second quarter and made it close by dropping 40 in the fourth. Cam Johnson led all scorers with a dozen. (laughs) Goodness gracious. Hey, you bring in Kevin Durant to the equation. That'll surely change the tides. Well, next time we do our show, the series will be decided. What four teams will be in the conference finals? Uh, I am going to – I thought Boston would win tonight, um, believe it or not. So I'm sticking with the Celtics, and that's not just because they're going home. That's because I thought they were going to go to the finals once Milwaukee was eliminated uh, because I thought Milwaukee had the best team. And I thought Milwaukee was going back to the finals, and obviously uh, they lost their coach as a result of – 
their hideous performance, even with Giannis against the Heat uh, in round one. And there is another turnover from, oh my goodness, another turnover from Kevin Durant at the end of the first half. And this is only going to be 28, 29, or 30 as Aaron Gordon goes to the final line for two free throws with a couple seconds to go off a of Kevin Durant turnover. Um, I am going to go with Boston over the Heat. Uh, I'm rooting for the Knicks, uh, even though it would be contrary to my interest in wanting to see Stephen A. embarrassed and shut up about his Knicks because uh, I love Brunson. But I just don't think they're going to be able to pull a rabbit out of the hat coming back from 3-1. They could even push it to 7 for all I know and lose game seven at home. Who knows? But they go back to Miami for game six tomorrow night. I think the Heat will win the series no matter what it takes. So we're going to have, I believe, a rematch of last year. Am I correct? Or not? Did Boston play Miami in the semis or in the final? I thought they played them in the Eastern Finals. Memory serves me correct. I could be wrong. I believe it went to seven, did it not? Um, or did they beat Milwaukee first? Can't remember. Um, but I'm going to go with Milwaukee. I'm going to go with Boston and uh, Miami in the East. And uh, obviously we have a leg up here with Denver up by 30 at the half. So I'm going to stick with Denver to hang on to their 30 point lead. And like I said, I I think the Lakers are going to win tomorrow. Now I could be dead wrong, obviously, but I just think it would be too much of a reversal of the way they've been playing since this group got their feet under them. And they do have Anthony Davis, who can be and hopefully will be the most impactful player on the court. And they do still have a relatively uh, healthy and hopefully active LeBron James, who has a great understanding of the game, and hopefully tomorrow night will understand that he belongs in the paint where he can do the most damage as both a scorer and a passer. And, uh, again, needs to be a force on the defensive glass. So I'm going to go with uh, with the Lakers and Denver in the West. Yeah, it was Boston winning 4-3, over the heat in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. It was pretty much back and forth. Miami went up 2-1, Celtics tied it at home, then they won on the road, then Miami won on the road, and then Celtics won 196 in Game 7 to advance to the Finals. And as we're seeing, a lot of these teams, I believe the only two teams, has Miami lost at home yet? I'm not sure. Denver is not, and the Lakers have not. Right. I'm not. I'm not sure if Miami has lost at home or not yet, but you know, the rest of the se- you know, the rest of the series, you know, obviously including the Lakers series with uh, you know, them beating winning Golden State, and the prior rounds, you have a lot of teams have been you know, losing at home, at least one, sometimes two games. So um, I, I just think you know Boston has the best team. Boston has the best team with the deepest roster. They have a rookie coach. And you know, sometimes, you know, again, I just think they are way, way, way too in love with the three. 
way too in love with the three. Uh, I think they need to go to the basket more. I think they need to be more aggressive. I think they need to be, you know, satisfied with taking 10, 12, and 14 footers, but they don't play that way. That's what I said last year when we had our shows during the finals, when I said Golden State needs to make Boston take twos. They need to take, they need to make Jason Tatum and uh, Green get inside the three-point line and take contested shots from 12, 15, 16 feet because they don't want to. They don't want to do that. For these guys, threes are easier. Because all you got to do is stand. You know, people don't realize how far away that is, number one, and how strong you have to be to do that. But these guys aren't five foot nine, six feet. These guys are six four, six five, six seven. Incredibly strong guys. They snap that thing off like they're 10 footers. And it's easier to take a three. You don't have to play as much of the court. You don't have to beat your guy off the dribble and stop and pull up. Little shimmy shake, step back, boom. And if I'm defending, I'm never stepping back. I'm making everybody go by me. I'm never going for a jab step. I'm in and every, I understand. I'm just an old man who played in high school. But you know, I'm in everybody's airspace. I am up under them on the dribble and making them go by me inside the three-point line. And then they can pull. Then I'll catch it. Then I run, sprint, and they'll pull up and shoot. It's fine by me. Take 15-footer. Nobody wants to take them anymore. Nobody wants to take them. Three is better than two. You're You're not getting a three off against me. I mean, you may get it off, but I'm going to be right there. I'm not going, you're not getting a step, you're not creating distance with me via a step back. Not happening. And the other thing the teams constantly do is they run and help and they leave the three-point shooter open. To, you know, the, the natural tendency is to go help. That your guys beat, let me go help. Well, sometimes you know, you're better off not helping and letting the guy go down the lane and dunk or take the two and not leave that wide open shooter in the corner on that that short corner three, which is supposedly the easiest three-pointer in the sport. And it seems like the short corner three, it, you know, it, it seems like, you know, a blind guy could make it the way these guys in the NBA make that shot. I will ride with the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> this game aside, I thought they would win the series somehow. On paper, there's no way they should have based on what the Suns are bringing to the table, but that's just how the Nuggets roll with what Jokic is able to do. And the surprising thing is the best game he had in the series is the game they lost when he dropped 50, and Devin Booker basically went shot for shot with him, couldn't miss, shooting like 80%. He's the most overlooked, undervalued, disrespected, two-time MVP we've ever seen. Because did you have him as the MVP? I was falling into the trap, which I shouldn't have, but I enjoyed the narrative where it went to, we're going to give this dude three consecutive MVPs when he hasn't done anything in the postseason. Although I know that that is not what should be what wins you the MVP because the postseason doesn't matter. But a part of me was thinking, 
three in a row for this guy, and nobody yeah. really has done this before. He's going to be because I had, I had uh, my top three was Embiid and uh, Jokic and Giannis. Yeah, that was my one, two, three. Uh, and did, who finished second? Who did Jokic finish second or Giannis finish second? I don't, I don't, I don't even know. But you know, I thought it was M- M- Embiid's MVP. I thought he was the best player. I thought he was the most valuable player. And but Jokic is a tremendous player, and he's got such a unique skill set and unusual body type. Um, I don't know if you're old enough to remember. You're a big fan, but you're only thirty. Do you remember Greg Ostertag? Oh, of course. Utah Jazz. He's built, he, he's built just like him. He really I is. mean, f- physically, he's he's a com- physically. And you know, I've said he's a you know separated at birth with uh, you know with the big tight end for the Patriots. All right, um, he, he looks like him, and and build wise, he is Greg Ostertag. You know, he stumbles around <laughs> and he falls over people and he plays almost below the rim, but. He's got fabulous footwork. He's an incredible passer. He understands a great knowledge of the game. He has wonderful vision. He's a great shooter with one of the highest arcing shots I've seen in all my years of watching any level of basketball. The thing comes down with icicles on it. And he also puts it up over his head, which makes it impossible to block along with the fact that he's seven feet. He doesn't jump over a phone book. He's got these wrong foot Louis Dirk shots. I mean, the best way I can describe him is, is he's, you know, a combination of you know, Bill Walton with his awareness and his passing skills and his, you know, his ability to defend and block shots and keep them in play with, you know, Dirk's repertoire on the offensive side in Greg Ostertain's body. It's an ugly combination because you throw Greg Ostertag in, but that's what it is. I mean, he, he literally, you, know, you you think he's going to either fall over somebody or knock somebody over half the time he's got the ball. This dude does stuff that you should only see at the local CYC. It's the same Sunday morning church league. <laughs> like, you know, he used to play in college, probably at a D2 level was really good gained a little weight in his old age he's got the knee brace on but you could tell he used to have it he's just he's just older now but he's dominating his competition because nobody else played college ball everybody's just having a good time they played in high school and this guy comes out and you think he's not gonna do anything look at this old man and he dominates always he's doing it in the nba it's incredible. Nobody can figure this dude out playing against the top, the two other top three guys for the MVP in Giannis. And we shouldn't even mention his name after the game six, but the winner of the actual MVP, they can't figure him out. It's incredible how he plays basketball and he's not, he's got talented guys around him, but it's not going to, have your knees shake who he's passing the ball to, but they, they figure it out for the most part, you know, now, now go win a championship, dude. That's, that's what everybody's waiting for. That's the only unfortunate part. I I think, I think they can win a championship. I do too. 
I think this is a good watch, year for it. Yeah, I, I, I do too. And um, when you look at what's around him, it Murray is pretty much back to where he was when you know they played the Lakers in the bubble, and he was fabulous, and they beat him in the uh, in the conference finals. And they've got our guy. They got KC. They got KCP. They got Kentavious Caldwell Pope, who is a, plays basically for them the same way he played for for the Lakers. He he takes big shots, and sometimes he makes big shots. He doesn't always make them. Nobody does, but he's fearless. He's a wonderful defender. He's very athletic. He's great in transition, and he's got you know the 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 nerves of a cat burglar. He's got big brass ones. He is totally fearless. He will take it to the basket against anybody. He will defend anybody. Every really good team needs one of those guys. He was that way for the Lakers uh, in the championship in 2020. He's that way for the Nuggets. Uh, Murray is their number two guy. Uh, he's really a kind of a combo guard, but he plays the point. Michael Porter Jr. is a doomsday stroker at 6'10". He's never been a shot he didn't like. He's not a great rebounder or defender, but he's getting better. And he's finally on a run of good health. said there's back issues since college. Short time he was there. Um, But he is he's difficult to deal with. And then you have Aaron Gordon, who to me looks like he gets bigger every season. He is just a load. He's tough to deal with on the glass. His hands are a little shaky. He tries to put it on the floor a little too often. But he's got game. He's got you know nice little deft touch around the basket. He's fearless, and he is one tough dude. He is strong as an ox. He is scary. And if the Lakers move on, that is a guy that scares the shit out of me because the Lakers may have size, but the Lakers don't have a lot of girth. Same thing with Jokic, but they don't have a guy who's as wide a body as Gordon. Yeah. And as much of a load as Gordon and Gordon's still young. Gordon's not 35. You know, what's Gordon, 28? While we're talking, I'm sure you'll be able to look it up like you always do. If you don't have that one memorized, I know you got every NBA roster, you know. 27, age, almost. Weight, right. Not bad. Um, soon to be 28, I guess. <laughs> but he, he's a tough guy to deal with. Very tough on the offensive glass. He scares the shit out of me. So I, I think they've got a really good – and they got Bruce Brown, who they got um, – you know, who's with the Nets, who is terrific for them off the bench. Last night, what do you have? Uh, the other night off the bench, what do you have? 25 when they won game five? Who's a really good player. Loves to have him on the Lakers. Can do everything. Um, can score from everywhere. Runs the floor really well. Excellent defender. So there, and I, you know, my, my brush with, you know, greatness. You know, uh, I represented, you know, Coach Malone and his wife when they bought and sold their co-op in my complex in White Plains. So that was my brush with greatness. So I love Coach Malone, um, who's a really good guy, by the way, and his wife's a really nice gal. Uh, so the, when he was an assistant for the Knicks, they bought a place in my uh, co-op complex right in the heart of White Plains, and I represented them. 
because I was referred. And then his job scenario changed, as it often does in coaching. So, you know, within a couple of years, uh, he sold and you know, moved on to the next job. But really nice guy. And I think he's a terrific coach. And I'm rooting hard for uh, for them to win this series. Then obviously, yeah. if it's us, we, we have to unfortunately root against them. But uh, they're going to be, if they finish this series off, they're going to be difficult to deal with, whether it's the Lakers or Golden State. They've got a re- and they've got a good chance to win a championship. Period. End of story. Because they've got a, a lot of good stuff going. God bless Coach Malone's voice too. It's gone now, and who knows how it'll be if they keep advancing in the Western Conference Finals and beyond. He might just have to use hand signals at some point as the game so continue. Do, do, will the Knicks push this to a game seven? I don't think so. And in general, I can't see the Knicks beating the Heat three times in a row. Even if they do force a game seven and even how it'll be at the Garden, which, jeepers, shut the city down if that's the case. <laughs> because it's been crazy for every game. This one would be the top of all of them. I find it hard to believe they'll be able to beat them three times. So I will go with the Heat moving on. I think Boston moves on and wins at home. I thought the Sixers needed to win in game six. And they could you imagine? Could you even begin to imagine the fallout in Boston if they were to lose a game seven at home? Be crazy. There's already been enough fallout. This series from, from in general. Game five. Yeah. Home. I know. Sky would be falling. As you said, break break them up. That's it. They gotta go. Trades. What well, well you you know what my goal is as as, as a Laker as a Laker fan. My goal draft is Jason for, Tatum as your second pick instead of Lonzo Ball and Profit. N- oh. n- no, that's water under the bridge, but <laughs> to to turn back time, so to speak, and cure that grave error and lure Jason Tatum away from the Celtics as a free agent. That's why I continually hope they don't win. I'm not obviously reason one, I despise the Celtics. So that's the first reason. Reason two, if he's continually frustrated and, you know, God forbid that they alienate him to the extent where he wants to leave as a free agent, you know, he's from LA. Kobe is his all time favorite player. Kobe is his idol. What could be more perfect? You know, as LeBron goes out, Tatum comes in. It's just, it's too good to be true. It literally is too good to be true. I mean, come on. That's a script that only a Laker fan could write and adore and to the misery of Bill Simmons and company. How great would that be? Oh, God. Please make that happen. Please make that happen. Um, And uh, why not? Why not? Yeah. They could alienate him. If they, if, if they don't win a championship, they could alienate him enough to make him want to leave, and there will be cap space in L.A. at right about the same time. Absolutely. It'd be great. And LeBron, LeBron will be heading off with Bronny yeah. to yeah. wherever, or retiring, whatever the case may be. You know, I figured two more years. Yeah. Uh, tops for LeBron, and, you know, I don't know how many years Tatum's got left on the contract, but 
boy, would he, you know, he, he's worn, you know, the Kobe armband. So why not put it on for real with the rest of the purple and gold? We'd love to make amends for that draft, man. We would love to. We'll show you around. I mean, the red purple carpet will be rolled out. You could have whatever you'd like. If that day ever comes heat Celtics nuggets Lakers. I hope that's your, that's your final four. Because what I'm saying is there's also the chance the splash brothers get going and the Lakers can't keep up because these every other day games running out of time here (laughs) with our health and with our conditioning. I, I I understand that scenario, but let's remember this is a Laker team that is much younger than it has been. It is nice to have reserves. The, the yes. oldest two guys are LeBron, obviously, and AD. Everybody else is early to mid twenties. So, you know, there should be a lot of fresh legs, and that's one of their benefits that, that you know, hopefully can help carry those guys as they get a little tired or get them blows. Where you know, the older guys are now on the other side of the ledger. True. And that's why you, uh, I said you really have to make them exert themselves defensively and pound them physically, pound Steph physically, and make Clay run on defense because he doesn't want to run on offense. And uh, here come the Suns. They've cut it to 25, and they have the ball. Oh, baby. Not, uh, make a little move. but that, And that's why I think the, the Lakers, you know, this – this notion of you know tired, not enough rest, etc. You know, day off, game, day off, game, day off. Fortunately, you know, you're just going up and down the California coast. So I, I don't think it's that much of a factor as everybody else is trying to make it out to be for the Lakers. I think they'll be fine in terms of freshness. Absolutely no reason they should not be. And win game six, you get four days off. Little incentive, along with all the others. Presuming Denver hangs, presuming Denver right. hangs onto this twenty-seven point lead. So there we go. Next time we chat, we'll know who are in the conference finals. We got exciting games, no matter what, just because of the numbers after them and where those are in the series, and we'll see what happens. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, my pleasure, the great John Tiny Lines. I am El Renato, a.k.a. El from White Plains. This has been the new report. Old report. Enjoy your NBA and have a great sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>